This is the five-minute recap of the Tahiti Pro Chopu, which is brought to you by Fanatic.com. Fanatic is a fin subscription service that every surfer should use. Whether you have one surfboard or 20, swapping out your fins is an instant way to expand your quiver. Don't get stuck underperforming on the same set of fins because you don't want to spend 100 bucks on a new set that you're not even sure will perform any differently. For 10 bucks a month, Fanatic will ship fins to your house. You can return them as frequently as you want or keep them indefinitely. Frequency of swapping is up to you and it doesn't change your cost of 10 bucks a month. All of the shipping cost and packing is included. Fanatic just sends you the next set of fins off your queue. They carry every fin from all the major brands and you simply drag and drop to maintenance your queue on their website. Super easy. It's a no-brainer and it's a game changer. So use our promo code podcast to support this show and you'll get your first month free. Fanatic.com, promo code podcast. Thanks. And now... The five-minute recap of the Tahiti Pro Chopu. Start your watches now. All eyes were on Felipe Toledo as we approached the 2018 Tahiti Pro. The only diversion we ever took was to check the swell forecast, but even that was mainly in relation to Felipe. Felipe is currently the most exciting, uninjured surfer in the world. And on a world tour with 11 stops, he would be considered a favorite at eight of those stops and actually unstoppable at some of them. To Felipe's credit, he wasn't always favored at those eight. When he qualified on tour, there was a question regarding his power surfing and his rail surfing. But over the last three years, he's developed a fuller repertoire. And now the only question that remains is his ability in large barreling reef breaks. And on the current tour, that means Chopu and Pipeline. In 2018, he's won two events already, Rio and J-Bay. This put him in first position on the rankings going into Tahiti. And with a full four-week break in between J-Bay and Tahiti, Felipe wisely opted out of competing in the U.S. Open and instead went straight to Tahiti early to gain some much-needed experience. A decent swell greeted him, and two of his waves ridden during that swell were publicized. One was a fun-sized left that he surfed successfully. The second was a proper eight-foot double-up where he successfully navigated the drop, pulled in, and then got completely obliterated by an inescapable foam ball. He was dragged across the reef and sustained session-ending scrapes down the length of his back, followed by the traditional fresh lime disinfectant. This all took place two weeks before the start of the event, and it actually benched Felipe, throughout that entire duration. And all of this only served to inflame the debate. Felipe's fans used that wave as proof of his bravado, where critics, myself included among them, were using the wipeout as evidence of his lack of experience. The event has since finished and we still haven't really resolved the debate. The event was plagued by a less than ideal swell forecast. There were a few good barrels, but nothing really scary nor even close to proper chopu. Most of the event, in fact, just ran in rippable lefts. When they came in, that is. Consistency was a major issue. Many heats only had two good scoring waves. Only two heats garnered 16-point heat totals through the entire event. It became a contest of wave selection and priority usage. And the timing of this wave-deprived event sets up our next debate perfectly. This event as a whole will stand in stark contrast to the Surf Ranch Pro, where otherwise finite resources are on dial. 
It all tees up perfectly, a question that is awaiting revelation. In the ocean, is the scarcity of the perfect wave a liability or an asset? Idolo Ferrer is another world title contender who should have skipped the U.S. Open. He was en route to a potential victory in Huntington Beach when his back foot slipped off the tail of his board while attempting to land a floater in the shore break, resulting in a stretched or possibly torn ligament in his hamstring. He withdrew from that event to recover for Tahiti. He looked fine in Tahiti and succeeded in making the quarterfinals, but you'd have to question his confidence coming off of the injury, especially in conditions that require the precise agility he was exploiting in Huntington Beach. In the Rookie of the Year race, Wade Carmichael gained distance over Griffin Colapinto and William Cardoso, both of whom lost in round two. Wade lost in the quarterfinals to eventual finalist Owen Wright. This increases Wade's overall ranking by one position, where he now sits in fifth place. Owen's second place finish in this event bumps him up five spots and into sixth position on the rankings. Julian Wilson drops a spot into third, but painfully so. At the end of the season, only an athlete's best nine results will count towards their compiled score. They drop their lowest two results. Julian already had two 13th place finishes this season. Gabriel and Felipe each only have one 13th. Julian finished this event in last place with an equal 25th, a round two lost to Tika Nui-Smith in a heat where Julian only caught one wave. He started at the 28-minute mark with a perfect barrel and what would be the highest scoring wave of the entire heat, but then he sat for 27 minutes. Tika Nui got a first wave right after Julian's, and then he sat just needing a .34 all the way up until there were six minutes left. Julian had priority, but knowing it wasn't going to be a high-scoring wave, he let Tika Nui go. Tika Nui got the score he needed. It was actually a 2.41 and the lead, leaving Julian needing a meager 1.84. Not a single contestable wave came through in the last five minutes, and Julian sat there waiting the entire time. Despite the marginal surf, three seasoned Chopu vets found their way into the final series, Jeremy Flores, Owen Wright, and Gabriel Medina, with Julian losing to Gabriel in the semifinals, along with Felipe losing to Owen in the other semifinal, but in very contrasting fashions that I think are important to note. Felipe made the semifinals on his surfing ability, ripping whatever wave he got harder than his competitors. Jeremy Flores, on the other hand, got the best waves of every heat. Jeremy's IQ at Chopu is genius level and a reflection of his 15 years of visiting that stretch of reef. When Felipe develops that level of expertise and comfort and then couples it with his freakish ability once he's actually standing up on a surfboard, the size and the conditions will cease to matter. We can all look forward to that, but regardless, a semifinal finish is a proud achievement for both those guys. And that contrast in styles is exactly what I expected from both Owen and Gabriel in the final. Owen waited patiently for the best two waves of the final. Gabriel, on the other hand, utilized his priority when the best waves came, but stayed busy bettering scores on lesser waves with airs and turns. Played out exactly how one might have expected it, 
but with an excitement and drama that's really hard to actually overstate. The final was the crescendo of the event, and it encompassed precisely what we want. We, along with the competitors, eagerly anticipated waves in this unpredictable lineup, and then when they came, the surfers used reasonable tactics to secure them, and then surfed each wave to its fullest potential, each surfer going blow for blow. It was a 40-minute final with 14 total waves ridden. Each surfer was gifted the opportunity that they needed by the ocean, and it all came down to the final seconds. They each had to use ocean prowess to find the barrels, which are being rewarded significantly higher than non-barreling waves. And if they picked a wave that didn't barrel, they both belted it and tried to outsurf one another for what they knew would be a backup score. Owen maintained a half point lead and priority for 37 minutes. Gabriel was sharking the lineup, going on any potential scoring ride, and only needing a 4.54. Every wave he stood up on was a potential heat winner, and he failed on six attempts within 25 minutes. And then, for the first time in those 25 minutes, a proper set appeared. With priority and starved for a head-high wave, Owen went on the first wave of the set. Within 10 seconds, it would prove to have been a mistake. But that detail is worth analyzing. Can this legitimately be called a mistake? Coaches and experts try to time sets. They try to predict which waves will be the best and then give their competitors a plan of action before going out. But I'm not really convinced that our brains have enough computing, nor can we even compile the requisite information to actually make right and wrong decisions in these moments. At this exact moment, when Owen was faced with the decision without knowing what was out the back, the quote, right decision seemed obvious. It was to go on that first wave. Certain locations are known for the second wave being better, but with a fading swell and less than two minutes on the clock, it really seemed obvious that the right decision was to go on the first wave. But especially in this event, wave selection was the key difference between heat winners and losers, and Owen picked the wrong wave with priority, the first wave of the final set of the entire event. With a minute and 40 seconds on the clock, Owen led with a 10.70 to Gabriel's 10.10. Owen used his priority to take the first wave in an attempt to better his 4.20. It was a rippable left, and he succeeded at his goal by garnering a 5.57, but Completely unbeknownst to him, Gabriel was already barreling toward him on the second wave of the set and the best wave of the entire final. Gabriel surfed his wave nearly flawlessly, finished the ride with a minute and 25 seconds on the clock. Those remaining seconds expired while we all awaited the judges scoring, but we all knew that Gabriel earned it. The score was finally read as everyone waited in the channel. 7.33 points. Gabriel Medina, the 2018 Tahiti Pro Champion. After seven events, we have six Brazilian winners. Idolo with two wins. Felipe with two. William Cardoso and Gabriel Medina with one each. And of course, Julian Wilson is the seventh event winner with his unexpected win at Snapper Rocks. Felipe retains the yellow Jeep Leaders jersey and a 6,000-point lead as we look to Surf Ranch, where there will be a precisely equal amount of lefts and rights on offer. Every wave will be four-foot and reel for 700 yards, starting with a crumbly section that will allow for three turns, a long barrel, and then an air section at the end. Ocean prowess and attunement will be rendered impotent. 
opportunity will be distributed equally. This experiment, surf competition in wave pools, was meant to eliminate variables, provide a consistent surface, and thereby measure surfing ability. Yet surfing ability, as we've known it up until 2018, has included positioning, ocean attunement, and one's response time and reaction to an unexpected and unpredictable surface. What we will be able to measure in Lemoor might be better defined as one's gymnastic ability and dominion over their surfboard on a wave. Undeniably, something that's worth measuring. And I'm actually thrilled to discover who will reign supreme at this new expansion of surfing's definition, but I'm even more curious to validate what I already hypothesize and what we were reminded of in Tahiti. That scarcity of a perfect wave is in fact our greatest asset. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor. I'll see you on September 6th in Lemoore. I'll be reporting on-site and publishing daily recaps of the event every evening, including interviews with athletes and fans. Introduce yourself if you see me. Thanks.